0: hallelujah praise the name of our lord jesus let's be seated in god's presence the lord answer all our prayers in the name of jesus let's pray this morning father in the name of jesus we thank you we give you praise and glory we give you honor and adoration we ask that you cause your word to come to us you give us the spirits you give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened and that we will walk in a manner that is worthy of you to please you in all respects. We ask that we will walk worthy of the calling where we are called and, and that at the end of the day you alone will be glorified. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, last week we started the a new teaching series, which is called The Principles of the Doctrine of Christ. The Principles of the Doctrine of Christ. And um, we, 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 lifted up, we lifted that from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 1. And then the first topic that we looked at in that in that team, or in this team rather, called the principles of the doctrine of Christ is The topic that we called Repentance from Dead Works. Praise the name of Jesus. So the topic that we considered last week is Repentance from Dead Works. And today we are going to still be considering that same topic, Repentance from Dead Works. Amen. But you know, last week Sunday, we, we dealt. God helped us a little bit to cover that topic. And we said that this Sunday we are going to be looking at a case study. We are going to be lifting Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot is going to be our case study. Amen. Um, But before we do that, before we begin to look at Judas Iscariot properly, there are some groundwork I would like to do. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Um, I would like us to open our Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. There is this scripture that we use so much, especially as it has to do with conversion. Luke chapter 15. And we are looking at verse 10. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Amen. Okay, I think I'm there. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Now, in Luke chapter 15 is a, is a parable. is a chapter filled with parables of restoration. So the first is, you see, you see the parable of the lost sheep. In that same, Luke chapter 15, you see the parable of the lost coin. And in another parable, you see the parable of the lost son. So these are the three parables that are in Luke chapter 15. Now, and these are different kinds of restorations or recoveries that can happen to believers. That there are certain, there are, or that can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody, but in this, permit me for, in this context, for me to use believers. So the first is the parable of the lost sheep. And the lost sheep was lost and could not return until the shepherd went to find him. Amen. Amen. The lost sheep wandered away. He wandered out of the sight of the shepherd. And he could not find his way. Even if it, it wanted to find his way, there, there was no possibility for it to find its way. And it's it it took the effort, it took the effort of the shepherd. It was the shepherd that left the 99 to find him. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Meaning to us that there are there is a level that a person would be, especially. With regards to Christianity. With regards to Christianity, there is a level that a person will be in God, and if he lost or loses his way, Jesus will make extra effort. The Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they will make extra effort to bring him to restoration. As a matter of fact, they will go and find him. They will make concerted effort. Send prophets to him. Send preachers to him. Send evangelists to him. They will be making this concerted effort. And the reason for this effort is because they are trying to find him. Now the second, the second parable we see there is the parable of the lost coin. So whereas the lost sheep wandered away, the, the lost coin lost its place. So there was a place the coin was kept. However, when they came to check the coin, the coin was no longer there. Praise the name of Jesus. So there are people who, maybe as a result of their level of maturity in Christendom, they saw some things and they were discouraged and they wandered away. They wandered away. And God will make concerted effort to get these people to come back to Christianity. However, there are other people that it's not as if they wandered away, they just misplaced, the place they were kept, they left it. They left their place, the place that they currently were. And when the the master came to check where he had kept the coin, as it were in this story now, the coin was no longer there. And even in that case, the woman of the house swept the entire place until the coin was found. Praise the name of Jesus. Until the coin was found. So yes, the coin was lost, but the coin was in the house. I don't know if it we were together. The ship wandered away totally. Not, It didn't just leave its place, it wandered away totally. But the coin was lost, but the coin was still in the house. So, as it were, the coin was still within the borders of that covering. However, there was a particular placement. There was a particular placement that the coin had, and the coin had lost that place. And this thing can. can this thing can apply to somebody who has a call of God upon his life, has a calling from God. However, he was enticed from his calling to go and do other things. Because we must understand that when, God, when, we are, when we get saved into the kingdom of God, we are not just born again, we are born into. And when we are born into... The place we are born into, number one, we are born into the body of Christ. Number two, we are born into the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom of God, there are lampstands. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes there are abilities that my brother will have that I don't have, but he's commanded a level of popularity that I don't have. And I will want to leave the place where God has kept me and for me to be in that place where my brother is. At the moment I do that, even though it was my place of calling that I left, even though it was my place of calling that I left, it is going to have an impact on my Christianity. I'm trying to say that you can have a calling, and you you might want to separate your calling from your Christian life. However, if you get enticed and you leave the place of your assignment, ultimately your Christian life is going to have an impact. And so for people like that, God also makes efforts to bring them back. But then the third parable is the parable of the lost son. And the lost son was the one that he didn't want as it were. He made the decision to leave the house. And even though his father was always standing in front of the house expecting him to come, the father never went to him. It meant that the father expected that as a result of the constancy of fellowship they have had, had the father expected that he should get to a place where he would be able to come back to his senses. And so when he was coming back, the father ran to him The father ran to him and hugged him, meaning that the father was expecting, sitting in front of the house, expecting that he is going to return. Expecting that he was going to return. But the father did not travel or send a search party to go and look for him. The son had to come to his senses. To return. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. And this thing that we are talking about, it has a disadvantage and it has an advantage. The disadvantage is that when God has committed so much to you and you decide on your, of your own volition to walk away, eh, God will not make any effort to get you restored. All the effort, all the effort God had made At the time that you people were in fellowship, right? At the time that you people were in fellowship, all the effort God had made, God is banking on those efforts to get you to return. The advantage is that when you wander away, you have enough resources at your disposal to know that if I continue long enough on this path, If I continue long enough on this path, I am heading to destruction. That means you have been enlightened, you have tasted of the good word of God. So much so that you know the implication of some of the things you are doing. At that point, if you continue, you are going to be destroyed without recovery. Because to the person who knows that this thing is the word of God and this is the implication of what I am doing, nevertheless I am going to do it. That person is no longer a sinner, that person has become a rebel. And when you become a rebel, you are the one that will surrender. Eh? But on the side of God, on the side of God, all God will do is to expect you to come back. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus. So these were three different layers of recovery, or rather, three different layers of restoration. However, that is not my interest this morning, because by God's grace, we might stay long, because we must finish this one today. <laughs> I've learned a lesson from what happened yesterday. Amen. Amen. Remember I told us to open to Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In Luke chapter 15, verse 10, which was captured under the parable, of the lost coin. Verse 10. The Bible says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. You know how we read it? We read it that there is joy in in heaven over one sinner that is saved. Check carefully. The Bible says over one sinner That repented. Over one sinner that repented. Of course, ultimately, the the repentance of that sinner will impact on upon his salvation. However, if you make a person to say the prayer of salvation without him repenting, there is no joy. You are not able to accomplish joy for heaven that day. It is when a sinner gets to a point, when a sinner gets to a point where he, 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 he repents. That is when there is joy before the angels, in the presence of the angels of God. In the presence of the angels of God. And for me, we'll take a little road trip. Let me just take a little side trip. You see, it is, it is not for nothing that the, the Bible made us to understand in that scripture that the people who, the people in heaven that were rejoicing were the angels of God. It means, that, it means that part of the ministries of the angel or part of the ministry that the angel will have is that ministry, this same ministry that we call evangelism. That as a preacher, as a preacher, as a preacher, when I am going out to witness the Lord Jesus to people that are lost, and I want to say this again a person, if a person was born again before and the person is no longer born again, I want us to know that that person is captured within that category called the lost. Amen. Because people used to say things like, I've heard, of course, some of these guys, funny guys. They have said that so far that person has said the prayer of salvation before. That person is not lost. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. However, it, 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 I just wanted to make us understand that whenever we are going out to witness the Lord Jesus to the people that are lost, part of the, the expectations we should have is that the, the angels of the Lord will go with us. The angels of the Lord will go with us. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So I just wanted to do that first. Now we can go to our case study. Amen. You know the way in a mechanic workshop they might have a software? And that software is potent to the level of it detecting where the error of a vehicle is from. Praise the name of Jesus. So you bring a car and the car is faulty. A person who is a person who is manually. A person who is manually. Amen. A person who is manually checking the car might not detect where the problem is from. However, there might be a software in an in an automated mechanic workshop. And when you take that car to that automated mechanic workshop and it is, and they run it by the software, they will be able to realize that, oh, this is where the fault is coming from. This is where the fault is coming from. Amen. So, what I want to do first is to lay, to give us an outlay in the form of a software. Uh, when, we, when we are done establishing that software, then we will now run Judas, is carried by that software. When we run through that discovery by that software, we will not be able to detect where the problem is coming from. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. To do that, let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke sorry. To the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51. Um, it was David's psalm of repentance. Of course, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and after he had killed the wife, the, the husband of Bathsheba. So in the name of Jesus Christ, um, let me take it from verse five, Psalms fifty-one, verse five. The Bible says, "Behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me." It says, "Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom." Seven. He says, Pudge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. He says, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy, make me to hear joy and gladness, that my that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Praise the name of Jesus. You can just put one finger there and then flip over to Psalms 19. Psalms 19. Psalms 19, verse 11. It says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Twelve, who can understand his errors, cleanse down me from secret faults. says, Keep thy servant... Also from presumptuous sins, let, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, please, let's, let's look at this thing carefully. So, God has a desire. and the ultimate desire of god is that the ultimate desire of god is that no sinner or nobody will be destroyed but that all will come to the saving knowledge or to the saving grace of our lord jesus christ captured in that desire is another desire of god and that desire of god is that for everyone who comes to him there must be truth in the inward part of such a person. There must be what? Truth in the inward part of a person. So David says to us in that Psalms chapter 51, he said that be, that desires truth in the inward part. Truth in the inward part. Meaning that, meaning that. God cannot make progress in the life of anybody until sincerity is found in the heart of that person. God's transforming power, the first thing it will accomplish is sincerity. If God's power does not accomplish sincerity in the heart of a person, even if the person learns all the mysteries of God, even if the person learns all the scriptures, so much so that he understands all scriptures and he can quote all the scriptures off his head, even if he spends 365 days with Christ, even if he spends the entire of his days living in the same room with Christ, if Christ does not accomplish genuineness or sincerity in the heart of that person, God has not started building. This is the reason why somebody will be in church For a very, very long time. And you will hear things like, if you hear that man quote scripture, even you, you will run. You hear things like that. You hear things like, the way the man comes to church. He is the first to come to church. However, when we check his life, apart from his frequency in church, there is no pointer to tell that this person is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Eh? The reason why that can be, that can be in the life of a person, is that... God has not accomplished sincerity in the heart of that person. You know this thing that a person is not truly submitted to God. However, he wants to carry the form of godliness. So much so that if he's in a place and they say, Who will lead us in prayer? he's the first person to pray. So much so that they say that we want to erect this building in church. He's the first person to give the bulk money to. And every man around that vicinity looking at him under the sun would think that, oh, this is such a lover of God. However, if in the heart of that person God has not accomplished sincerity, God, see, God is stranded. Permit me to use that expression. And, sir, it was. On the basis of this, that that magician, that magician, um, um, Simon the sorcerer, it was on the basis of this that Peter had to give him that great rebuke. So even though Philip had come and had preached in that place, and then the other apostles had came came to that place, and they began to baptize people in the Holy Ghost, of which even... Simon the sorcerer was one of the people that were, was converted. He was converted. However, his conversion was his conversion was not sponsored by a correct motive to the extent that somebody who just gave his life to Christ, when he saw how all the other apostles were doing what they were doing, he came to them and said, give me this power also. He gave them money and said, give me this power also so that for everybody that I pray for or lay my hands on, they also will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Peter turned to him and rebuked him. And Peter said, please, I don't want to paraphrase. You will see, you will see the level of, you will see the level of danger that this guy that just got converted. You will see the level of danger that this guy was in. And you will see where this guy was supposed to, was going to end. Praise the name of Jesus. Just give me a little minute, let me, or just a few seconds, let me get my citation correctly. Praise the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 8, verse 20, verse Verse 22. Okay no sorry let me start let me let me let me start it from Okay from verse 12 Verse 12 The Bible says but when they believed when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ they were baptized both men and women Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs that were done. So, we have established the fact that this Simon believed and was baptized, right? Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was falling upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of apostles' hand, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now look at the condition of his heart. He says, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. Why? He says, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. This is somebody who just believed. And Peter peeped into the heart of God and saw that God was not pleased at the heart of this Simon, even though he, was, he believed and he was baptized. And then Peter said to him, let's continue, he now says to him, he says, repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven. So there was wickedness where? In his heart. What was God supposed to forgive in the life of Simon? The thought of his heart. Are we, are we together? Yeah. The thought of his heart. Then Peter says to him, he says, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come to me. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see in the life of this guy, this Simon, that when, when, when he came and made that request... When he came and made that request, Peter realized that even though this person believed, and even though this person had been baptized, this person was still in a gall of bitterness. And as a matter of fact, in the sight of God, his heart is not right. And the reason why his heart is not right is because of the thought of his heart. As a matter of fact, Peter described the thought of the heart of Simon as wickedness. It says, repent of thy what? Wickedness. Praise the name of Jesus. Meaning that God was not going to accomplish anything in the life of Simon until that thought of wickedness in his heart was corrected. That deformity in the heart was corrected. And you see, the reason why a person might have deformity in the heart is because of the thoughts that has preoccupied that heart. And the goal of bitterness that Simon was in. Probably it was not that he was bitter against the apostles. It could be that he was bitter against somebody who, maybe his father or his mother, when he was a child, maybe they told him he would not amount to anything. And now he had come to the Lord. However, the thing that made him to amount to anything was his sorcery. And now that sorcery had been taken away from him. However, he still wants to amount to something, to prove to that person that said that you will not amount to anything that I will amount. That word, that prediction that they gave to him formed a, 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 a bit, formed a goal of bitterness in his heart. And it was out of that goal of bitterness that his aspirations and his drive in life was stemming from. And so when he saw another opportunity to walk in the supernatural, the first thing that came to his mind was to offer money to get it. And so, in the life of this guy called Simon, until God accomplishes taking away that condition of his heart, until that insincerity in his heart is taken away, God cannot move. God cannot move. So there is a place where the Christian life begins. There is a place where the Christian life begins. It is that a person has genuinely come to the Lord. And he has come to the Lord for the purpose of knowing the Lord and for serving his kingdom. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, sir, as a matter of fact, sir, it is, it is, it is, in that story of Simon now it was the condition of his heart that he was supposed to repent from and there is sufficient power if you read Hebrews Hebrews now says that how much more shall the blood of Jesus who through the eternal spirit offered himself spotless to God how much more shall that his blood pour our, our, our evil conscience so that we can serve the Lord Meaning that a person might have evil conscience or evil consciousness. And the the power of God is such that the, the blood of Jesus is potent enough to purge his heart of that condition. However, sir, if God is going to make any progress in the life of such a person, that insincerity must go. See, it must go. So, it doesn't take anything for a person, and sincerely, it doesn't take anything for a person that has been in the faith for 15 years. You know, you you may lie to every other person, but you cannot lie to yourself. It doesn't take anything, whether you have been in the faith for 15 years or for 20 years, it doesn't take anything for you to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, this is my heart condition. Help me to address it. If that heart condition is not addressed, if that heart condition is not addressed, a mighty problem is coming. So, David said, David said, Behold, he says, I have come to realize, behold, you desire truth in the inward part.' He says, behold, you desire truth in the what? Inward part.' Then he says in verse 7, he says, port me with his and I shall be clean. He says, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You see, there is something very striking about the life of David. Very, very striking, sir. It is that before he killed there was before he, he killed Uriah and slept with Bathsheba, there was adultery and murder in his heart. And you would think that the sweet psalmist of Israel will not have the capacity. To do that, such kind of a thing, you will not have the capacity to sleep with the person's wife. And then also, now have the infantry to kill the person. It's like we don't know who David is. Oh God. David, Bar. Oh Father. David. David. You know, in the realm of the spirit, David is a reference. There are, there are, there are like, there are three, no, four, four major references that I have come to realize in scriptures. Is it four now or five? Yeah. Five major references that I've come to realize in scriptures. The first reference is Abraham. Right? The first reference is Abraham. The second reference is David. The third reference is Elijah. The fourth reference is like unto the third reference. That is John. The fifth reference is our Lord Jesus Christ. So you will see things like God saying, look to your father, Abraham, and to your mother, Sarah. Right? He says, I called him in Rome and I blessed him. And this was years ago after Abraham had died. You will see also that God will say things like, the sure mercies of David. Jesus will be referred to as what? The son of David. You will see references like Jesus was on that mountain of transfiguration. Of course, I just remembered one now, Moses, which is, which is, um, Moses is the symbol of the Lord. And Jesus will be on that mountain of transfiguration and the Bible says Moses and Elijah came to talk to him. Praise the name of Jesus. You will see references like John, Jesus saying that of all the of all men born of women, there had not been anyone that had risen who had been greater like John. Amen. So John was like a marker in the kingdom of God or in the realm of the spirit. And then, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. So David was such kind of a man. The weight of destiny on the head of David was strong. However, mother and adultery was still lurking in his heart. But you know the beautiful thing about this story: it was that after David slept with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, the Bible never recorded that David was promiscuous again. The promiscuity of David ended at Bathsheba. After David took Bathsheba, David did not take anybody to wife. As a matter of fact, do you know that? When he was, the Bible says it came to a point where David had no no heat in him anymore. And they gave him a damsel to keep him warm. The Bible records that David did not touch her. To the point that when David did not touch her, the people said the king is dead. David did not touch her. It meant that David, not up until the point of him killing Bathsheba. Uh, sorry, why am I thinking killing Bathsheba? Sleeping with Bathsheba and killing Uriah. Not until that point, eh, David had not come to realize that God desires truth in the inward path. Because if you check that scripture, it says truth in the inward parts. That means in every aspect of your life, as, as it has to do with your thought pattern, God desires sincerity in every one of it. Every one of it. Every one of it. So when David had gone through all of this, you know what he said? He said, Behold. That word, behold, he said, is like "see." He says, Behold. That's after after all this thing that has happened. Now Nathan has come to correct me. He said, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And you know, the things that were written our full time were written for our what? For our learning. For our learning. For our learning. And I'm still saying to us that God desires truth in our inward parts. God must see sincerity. If not, he cannot, he cannot, I, I can't over, I can't emphasize this thing enough. God must see sincerity. If not, he cannot move. You will be stranded in the life of of that person. Sir, do you know that? These guys that were Pharisees, you know, Pharisee doesn't mean hypocrite. Pharisee doesn't mean hypocrite. Pharisee means somebody who understands the Torah. Like, he knows the Torah so much so that he can explain it. So, he understands the Torah. And Jesus said to them, Jesus said, You are, you are like whitewashed sepulchres. He says, The outside is clean, but the inside is filled with dead men, dead dead men bones. Jesus said to them, He said, The outside, you are like a cup. The outside is clean, but the inside is dirty. He said to them he said you search the scriptures taking that in them you will find eternal life say but the scriptures are the ones testifying of me how can somebody be reading a signboard about jesus christ and he will not see jesus it is because the condition of the heart is bad it came to a point where being a pharisee was seen like a, as a social status was it here that i said to us that in different societies according to the thing they value the most, that is how they they build their social status. So if money is what they value the most in that society, all the people that are wealthy, right, are the people that will be in the upper class. Then the people that don't have money will be in the lower class. In that society then, Israel, they were preoccupied with knowing God. That was the value. Everybody wanted to know God. And then the Pharisees saw that the more you knew God, the more respect you command. So every time that they were starting to know the Lord, they were starting to know the Lord for the increase of their reputation. And I'm saying that it will be catastrophic for us to attempt to do anything for God. If that thing that we're going to do for God is to increase our reputation. It will be catastrophic for us to say, Oh, I'm a winner. Oh, I belong to Redeem. Oh, I belong I'm, I belong to believers, love, Lord. Oh, just for the name of it, just because we want to be called, just because we want to say, I'm a son of Bishop Oedipo, that's the reason why you are going to church. If that is why you are doing what you are doing, eh? if that is the reason, if that is what is powering what you are doing, then you will continually go to church but you will not meet with the Lord Jesus. See, sir, I can't say this thing vehemently enough. I can't say it. I can't can't over-emphasize it. Because I looked at Judas Iscariot. And, sir, I realized that the only reason, the only reason, the only reason that a person will stay with Jesus and will stay with Jesus long enough and his life will not be affected is that there was no sincerity. So whereas Jesus will give a parable eh? Jesus will give a parable to the people and the people will not understand Judas will come and the other disciples will come and Jesus will explain the parable to them. Despite the fact that Judas was one of the people that Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is the Lord, it is my father's will, it's my father's pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom. Despite the fact that all of these things were happening. Despite that fact. That all of these things were happening, and Judas was a witness to these things. Jesus could not accomplish anything in his life.
1: Answer, yes, it was
0: true. I think now I can begin to touch on Judas because I think I've I've buttressed that long enough. Now, whereas it was true that Jesus was supposed to be betrayed, hmm, it was true, check it carefully, Jesus was actually supposed to be betrayed by a familiar friend, by somebody who, by somebody who was sharing a plate with him. That means somebody that he used to eat together with. That was the prophecy. However, Judas was not the only person that had that privilege of eating with Jesus. In fact, it was not just the disciples of Jesus that had that privilege of eating with Jesus. And even if it had to be one of the disciples to betray Jesus, the name of Judas was not on it. Because somebody might look now. Because one of the things that people say is that though Judas was predestined to be the one to suffer that. fall no, God is not that unrighteous. All of them had equal opportunity to fall for that prophecy, but the condition of the heart of Judas was what made him to fall. And I am saying that the reason why it was Judas that fell was because in his heart there was no genuine repentance. Who we'll see it in Scripture? You see it in scripture. How that a person, you, you can be standing before one who you know that this is the... You know that this person is the epicenter of truth. But you are speaking deception to him. Hey God. You know this person. Eh? You know, sir, there is a level of respect that I have for you that if I come and I begin to tell you some things in a bit to deceive you, I am insulting, I'm not just insulting our relationship, I am insulting your intelligence as one who has known the Lord. That means, even if I have taken it in my heart to deceive people, at least when I come to you, I should be able to tell you the truth. Because of the level of proximity I know that you have with the truth, now, Jesus was not somebody who was quite with the truth, Jesus was a, the person that the Bible says he was full of grace and truth. And somebody broke the alabaster box and used it to wipe Jesus' feet. And Judah said, why this waste? Wouldn't it have been better if she had sold it and given us the money so that we use it to feed the poor? And the commentary that the person that wrote that book of John was saying was that he said this thing not because he was caring for the poor. He said this thing because he was a thief. Now check it. If you are a righteous person, if one person was supposed to fall for a doomed prophecy, who will the person be? Because. Whereas, people like Thomas said to Jesus, Jesus said, let's go to Jerusalem. Thomas said to him, he said, sir, it is in this Jerusalem that they are seeking to kill you. Jesus said, we go. Check John chapter 11, there about. Jesus said, let us go, let us go and raise our friend Lazarus, because he is sleeping. They said, no, if he is sleeping, that means he's okay now. He said, no. At the point, Jesus had him. He said, Lazarus is dead. He said, let us go. Thomas said, let us go with him so that we can die here. And what one said, he meant it. As a matter of fact, what Peter said to Jesus that even if all of these people depart from you, I will not depart. He meant it. It's just that it was not within his power to make good of that promise. But Judas made it worse. You know what he meant was? He had formed a habit of deception. Because for the Bible to run commentary about Judas that he was a thief, you know what it meant? It meant that the money passed that was with him. The money passed that was with him. He was stealing from it. And Jesus knew. And remember we talk about the lost sheep, the lost sheep. Jesus knew. However, Jesus expected that by the multitude of the words that I'm speaking to you, you should be able to come to repentance. Do you know Jesus never rebuked him once? The Bible doesn't record that Jesus rebuked him to say, Judas, stop stealing. Do you know? However, Jesus rebuked his disciples as a corporate body by saying to them, Oh, you of little faith. In short, Jesus even rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Rebuked him again when he called him to call him, come upon the water and he was falling. Jesus said to him, Why did you doubt? But to Judas, Jesus. The Lord rebuke him once. And that was because they had made a habit of stealing. They had made a habit of stealing. And every day, every day, sir, every day, sir, the post had to relate with him. Jesus never said, let us rotate the post to come steal. Jesus never said, let us elect another treasurer. The post remained with him. Meaning that every day Jesus Christ was giving him the opportunity to overcome that temptation. Because this is the faithfulness of God. It is that God will not make the temptation that is stronger than you to come towards your way. But when the temptation comes, with that temptation he will make an escape. So Jesus says to us, he says that except a man hate his life, he cannot be my disciple. And he was expecting that Judas would say, Kai, let me not think of how to preserve my own life by stealing from this master. But Judas continued. He was a thief. To the point that he uttered deception when a person broke an alabaster al- box for Jesus. To make you know that he had formed a habit of deception when he came to betray Jesus, he betrayed him with a kiss. That wasn't necessary. Do you know? That was necessary. You can stand for my and say, that is him. You can even come in the presence of Jesus and say, hey, that is him. But you told them that the person that I will kiss is the one. And you came and you betrayed him with a kiss. It didn't have to be with a kiss. Meaning that even the kiss that he came to give to Jesus that day was a kiss of deception. You know, when we were growing up, because of the the, the particular area we found ourselves, we took liberty. No, sorry. We took joy. in running people's streets. You know the way you run people's streets? You run people local. That means if you are in a business deal with somebody, you are looking for how to outsmart the person. Right? And the people called you sharp guy, called you bad guy, and called you, and all of that. Now, if you bring that into Christianity, but you must expose that thing to the cross. If you don't expose that thing to the cross and you bring it into your Christian experience like that, you will discover that even though you will discover that even though you have stayed long with God there is still that hint of deception in your testimony. It is out of the overflow of that deception that you begin to exaggerate. Or for example, if a person had pride in his heart, yes, he would have come to Christianity, but if he doesn't expose that pride, if he doesn't expose that pride to the cross, he might stay long with Jesus. And that pride will still become the downfall of his life. What I am saying, what I am saying, this is what I am saying. I am saying that whereas there is such a thing called repentance from dead works or repentance from the acts of sin, I am saying there is also such a thing called repentance from a flawed mindset or a flawed heart condition. There is such a thing called repentance from a flawed heart condition. I wrote this here in my note. I said Judas was not chosen unto condemnation. Jesus did not choose choose Judas unto condemnation. However, sir, however, before Jesus died, before Jesus died, A point had come where Jesus knew that it was going to be Judas. Jesus even said to them, Jesus said, I have chosen every one of you. He said, but one of you is a son of the devil. In John chapter 17, Jesus said, everyone that you have given to me, I have kept except for the son of perdition." You know what son sort of parrishon you know means? Parrishon means destruction. So there were inside all these people that you put to me, I kept them. But there is one that is appointed unto destruction. And that one that I was talking about, you knew that it was already Judas. The Bible, okay, wait, let me... Let's look at John. In John chapter 13, Sorry, are we there? John chapter 13. John chapter 13. John chapter 13 verse... Um... John chapter 13. Verse 18, the Bible says, I speak, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when he, it is come, you may believe. He says, very evenly I say unto you, he that, receive, receive, he that receiveth whomsoever, I say, receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. So, Jesus had first said, spoken about his betrayer, right? In verse 21, the Bible says, When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit. He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, That one of you shall betray me. So, wait, if it was, if it was that Jesus chose him, destruction why would Jesus be troubled that means that at that point Jesus was Jesus was pained Jesus was pained and then they said to them he said one of you one of you will betray me And the Bible said, talked about how, how, where they finished the feast, how Satan entered into him. And when Satan that, No, it was Jesus that said to him first, Jesus said, That which you want to do, do it quickly. And Saba, I want to pray a prayer for us. That it will not come to any point where Jesus will say that kind of thing for us. When we will insist on our own will long enough, and Jesus will say, That's what you want to do. Please. Because sir, read that scripture. It was until Jesus released him with that word that Satan entered. That word was a word of release unto destruction. Jesus said that what you want to do. Do it quickly. But how did the guy get here? That's what I'm saying. How did he get here? He got here ignoring the scripture in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs said that whosoever covereth his sin shall not prosper but whosoever confesseth and forsake them shall have life. Paraphrased. Whosoever covereth his sin shall not prosper. In Psalms chapter 19, where we read earlier, Psalms chapter 19, verse, verse 12, the Bible says, who can understand his errors, Cleanse thou me from secret faults. So the reason why that thing in the life of Judas lingered was because it was a secret. He kept it a secret. And I'm saying to us, I'm saying to myself also, that if there's any secret habit I have, I better expose it to Jesus and I expose it fast because it's going to eventually destroy me. I am saying that if there is jealousy in my heart, if I am put to jealousy, However, because jealousy is a condition of the heart, people will not know. I am saying that if it remains there long enough, it is going to destroy me. That's what I'm saying. Oh, God. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that if I'm a person that is given to anger, however, I feign or I cover my anger with a smile, or I'm a person that, is, that has an unforgiving heart, a bitter heart, so much so that if a person offends me, I I will not be able to let them go. But because it's a condition of the heart, people will not know. As a matter of fact, I will fake it with a smile and even with a hug. So much so that I want to, in my heart, I wish this person dead. But because it's in my heart, nobody knows. But I smile. I hug the person. In short, I even go to his birthday. I buy him gifts. But I still wish him dead. I'm saying that nobody who has had that kind of heart condition, even if he comes to hear the word of Jesus, if Jesus does not take that heart condition, will eventually, that is going to be that person's destruction. Eventually. So David made that prayer. He said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. sometimes in my heart and I, I I discovered sir that there is no such sort a of thing called conquering love um, to conquer lust what's not saying I've conquered lust no no it's against scripture there's no such a thing as to have conquered lust the only possibility in scripture is that you are conquering lost. Because the Bible says the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh and constantly they are warring against each other. Because people have made that assumption that they have conquered lust and they've entered into terrible problems. It is that we are conquering it. So David, um, um, sorry, Paul said, I put my body under subjection. He said, I put my body, I put my body, I put my body. On that subjection, put my body on that subjection. Put my body on that subjection. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So I'm saying that let let let. I'm saying that God should deliver us. Sir. I'm saying that there must be repentance from the heart. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are heart postures that must change. Maybe somewhere in my heart... I'm going to pray today. We are going to pray. Maybe somewhere in my heart I still have this desire to be popular. Because I knew when I was a child, I had that desire to be famous. I wanted to be very famous. So that when I'm passing by, people will be screaming my name. Maybe, maybe... It is still locking somewhere in my heart. And God will have to uproot it. And these things, it is when we turn it over to the Lord. Because I've come to realize that confession, according to scriptures, is first in the ears of God. Sometimes when people want want to deliver somebody from sin, they will say, go and confess to the person you have wronged. I'm not saying there's anything wrong in that. I'm just saying that confession first begins with the Lord. An openness before the Lord. So the Bible says, Whosoever covers his sin shall not prosper. No matter what he has, no matter the gifting he has, no matter the talent he has, no matter the anointing he has, no matter the weight of destiny he carries, if he covers his sin, he will not prosper. The Bible says, But whosoever confesses them, to confess in this context now will mean whosoever opens it before the Lord. whosoever opens it before the Lord. And I thank my God that, you know, part of the reasons why Peter came to Simon was, I believe it was the mercy of God. Because Peter pointed it out to him. That you are in the bondage of iniquity. Meaning that even though you have believed that you are baptized, but there is a half condition you have that, it, that will keep you bound to iniquity. It will not look as if there is no power in God strong enough to deliver you from sin. Because that was, the, that was the verdict that Peter gave to that guy. He said, you are in the bond of iniquity. You know what it means to be in the bond of iniquity? It means that you have been held hostage by iniquity. That is because your heart is not right